Between the Covers, a series designed around who and what can be done and achieved by patients, planning and working in a community of like-minded, successful people. This podcast series is for anyone looking at becoming a successful published author and those looking to understand the mind of a writer and the goals of a publisher. Proudly sponsored by Shoreline Publishing. Welcome and enjoy. On this edition of Between the Covers for Shoreline Publishing, we have the wonderful Ruth Wilson. How are you, Ruth? I'm sparkling and just feeling so excited this morning. You look very excited and you're excited because your book, Conquering Clouds, is coming out soon. What's the nuts and bolts of Conquering Clouds? Well, clouds have featured strongly throughout my life, uh, personal and mental clouds that I've had to rise above, often with tears and pain. But the beautiful clouds in all the countries I've flown around in my amazing hot air balloon around the world. They've given me a great appreciation of nature and also of myself. So you're an author and balloonist. What got you into ballooning in the first place? I was a journalist living in Japan in the early 70s and moved to New Zealand. I wrote an article and sent it to a magazine and they asked me to look for interesting men in New Zealand and I met a balloonist. He was one of only two in New Zealand in 1975. And as soon as I saw the balloon and stepped into the basket, I knew I had found my destiny. And within a matter of months, I had my own balloon. So it was almost a a love at first sight thing. It was absolutely knowing that I had, this was what I was meant to do in life. And I treasure that with um, passion. That's 1975. Um, You'd be 45 years old now, so you would have been very young when you started in the balloon. (laughs) Oh, gosh, it's 47 years this year since I, and the lovely thing is I, I haven't lost the passion but I was born to be in the air. It's a, it's a marvellous thing when you can find something that you can do where you maintain that passion and you can um, keep it going for such a long period of time. What is it about ballooning that really draws you to it? Uh, it's interesting. It's cutting your ties with earth and floating free. There's a lot of sense of freedom, but comes responsibility and It's taken me all over the world. I have a global family of friends who share the love of flying. And uh, it's also a platform to appreciate the beauty and nature of the planet and particularly the countries, you know, where I have flown. And um, it's a lovely thing to share the joy of something that most people don't have the opportunity to embrace. So you mentioned you've flown all around the world. Has there been any particular place that really captures your heart or or you will remember most fondly? I love flying in the Alps. I'm an alpine flyer. Um, We don't have the huge mountains here, the snow-covered mountains here that go on forever and ever, um, like they do in in Europe particularly. And uh, one of my amazing flights was representing Australia in the prestigious Gordon Bennett race uh, about two or three years ago, taking off at night in this hydrogen-filled balloon from Bern in Switzerland and flying for 18 hours 
uh, along the tops of the snow-covered Alps and then through the Italian Dolomites to land in an Italian vineyard. And uh, I just just love the the challenge or being so close to the mountains. They speak differently than flying over the flat land. Was there a particular celebration when you landed in this vineyard after such a fantastic flight? <laughs> I put the sleeping bag, no sleep for 33 hours. <laughs> the water froze in the bottles because it was so cold. Oh, wow. And I couldn't eat food. My mouth was so dry from the strain and stress of trying to cope with what happened in the Alps, which is in uh, Chapter 56 in the book. Um, but... Um, I just fell asleep immediately and then four hours later, thank goodness, our, our chase crew who'd left Switzerland, my son and his wife and my granddaughter and some other friends, uh, they arrived with a huge, uh, you know, bottles of Moe and we had lots of champagne and then the vineyard owner arrived, Sergio, and was so excited talking to the Italian media on his mobile phone the Australian gals landed in my vineyard. So it was, it was a wonderful experience for everybody. Wonderful. So, so you mentioned your son and your and your grandchildren flying as well. What a what a remarkable um, what a remarkable thing to have such a family connection. Well, it's it's lovely. Um, I have two sons, and they both got their license when they were eighteen. They've since married and found their own um, passions in life. But they follow and and will get in support me totally. And this, this big, these big gas balloon races, they're like the America's Cup of ballooning. Yep. And there's about maybe 20 pilots around the world who, who uh, are Gordon Bennett pilots. And it's, it, it, you fly for two or three days nonstop. So it was wonderful for them to come over and chase and support me in that, that venture. So to conquer clouds, you must go to a fair height. And this might seem like a really silly and juvenile question, but how high do you go? Uh, it it varies. I mean, when I say conquering clouds, it's not that I'm battling clouds in the sky in my balloon because we have to choose stable weather to fly. But um, the beauty, as long as we can see the ground through the clouds, we can go to... Well, 10,000 feet, after wow. that you need oxygen. Yep. But mostly we float around up to 3,000 feet. Uh, I find that after you get above 3,000 feet, there's a sense of detachment from the yep. trees and the people. But the other beautiful thing about flying in a balloon basket is a pilot can contour fly and just a few inches or centimetres above the treetops or the water well, it's it's you can't do that in any other aircraft. And I also have my fixed wing license in an aeroplane, and I love that. But when you fly in a balloon, you can be so close to nature. Um, and then, yeah, um, I mean, they have to be aware of clouds. You know, if they start building up, well, you know beforehand. You just don't go if there's a storm coming. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to take you back a little bit to an answer you had early on in the in the interview about conquering mental clouds as well. That that can't just be a, a slight fear of heights. What, what um, challenges have you overcome? Uh, uh, there's a lot of loss in the book. 
Yep. Um, um, sadly, I did. Um, I had a situation. I was born uh, illegitimately. Don't know my birth father. One of the reasons I've written the book is to try to find his story. Wow. I know his name and I know where he was, lived, and uh, that my parents would, my grandparents would not allow my mother to marry him because of religious differences at yeah. the time in those years. Um, so I, I was adopted and um, uh, also it was a dysfunctional childhood with a lot of pain and my brother close to me, who was a Vietnam vet, Ronnie, he took his life by hanging and uh, it's a, it, there's a lot of my story is about Ronnie and I yeah. because I loved him dearly. There was only 14 months uh, difference between us. So, I mean, the difficult thing of also going through a divorce when one has grown up in a dysfunctional childhood yep. is a very painful thing. Although my um, ex-husband, um, who died four years ago with Parkinson's, we remained dear friends and in each other's lives right to the end. Um, and uh, so there's... And then I've lost three dear, dear close friends to ballooning accidents, which might be troublesome to the person reading the book, but it's part of life to have those ups and downs that we go through every day in our lives. And in my story, there's been, it seems like as soon as I've lost something or I've struggled and had tears, the very next day or month, something amazing happens. Like I was suddenly into the ballooning hall of fame. Oh, wow. You know, these sort of um, comparisons of the journey through life is um, how my book has unfolded. So tell us a bit more about the book and the creative process behind writing the book because I imagine a a memoir, so to speak, would be quite, it, it, it seems like it should be easy to write, but it would have been quite challenging. Uh, I started off thinking because I was one of the early ballooning pilots in Australia and and uh, back in '75. So at the moment, when I look at who's around still, there's probably five left or six, maybe at that age in those ages. And I had a feeling that somebody should write about those early days of ballooning. And when I first wrote, it it was mostly a ballooning story about the history of ballooning in Australia. And as I started to work with a professional editor on this, she said, there's not enough of you in this, Ruth. How many years were you married? Nearly 20. You've got four pages in the book. We want to know, the reader wants to know who you are. And so the writing of it changed, but mainly it was pulled out of me by the editor one in England and one in America that I used, or who I used, sorry. Um, and uh, it's it did evolve differently and even now I'll be driving somewhere and I'll have a memory and I'll think, oh, gosh, that should, I should, that's more interesting. I should put that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the other thing is that I had lots and lots of names and people and uh, their their advice to me was, look, the reader doesn't know who all these people are. <laughs> yeah. You do. You know, happy snaps, they're your friends and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So it was it was an in- interesting uh, journey, really, going to writing this memoir. 
did you did you find it a cathartic process or was it uh, distressing or was it enjoyable um, or I found that I found the chapters talking about our childhood and the the beatings that my brother got from my uh, adoptive father very difficult to write yeah. um, his uh, suicide definitely all that deep emotional stuff and left me with a few nightmares, actually, dreams that still happen more recently with it. But I felt like it needed to be shared. Um, I wanted his life to mean something. And and also uh, in Chapter 44 I talk about the versatility of ballooning and the opportunity to explore and appreciate and view nature and it's a wonderful experience for everyone just wants to sever their ties with the earth and leave their responsibilities and fears and 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 miseries behind um and so all in all i've tried to balance my book with you know the the the, the highs and the lows i guess which is like a balloon flight yeah, it would be uh, it'd almost mirror what a balloon flight's like, wouldn't it? Like you've got your challenges and you've got your successes at the same time. So it's, it's sort of life-imitating yeah. art, so to speak. Yes, and, and I, didn't, I didn't start with a, um, a, a clear vision. I just started writing. Um, and also part of my journey is that I've had interesting metaphysical experiences you know, where I've um, travelled out of my body to other lifetimes and that's given me a very strong belief um, and about death and my faith and belief in self and therefore it's helped me to cope with the struggles both in the air if I've had any and on the ground. And struggles are, are a part of life, we understand that. So being able to get them out and getting them onto paper, was that um, did that help? Put some things to bed. Uh, not totally. No. Yeah. Um, now I had to ask you as well. Um, you, you talk about your relationship with your brother. How critical was that? Like, how how supportive was your ballooning? Um, was your brother? Were you ballooning when he was still alive? Um. No, he wasn't too involved in it because he lived in, in Queensland, and I'm in. Yeah. I was in Canberra or in Sydney. Um. It was not a world he was interested in because he was so damaged from Vietnam that he lived in his own world um, of depression, I don't know, you know, struggle and um, alcohol and uh, it was very hard to watch. But, um, I mean, I I know that he was proud that his big sister was flying a balloon, but I don't think he really cared. (laughs) Um, Now back to the book itself. What are your hopes for the book? What, what um, you, The book will be out very, very soon. Um, and if you listen to this after March, it's already out and you can find it on the Shoreline Publishing website. Um, what are your hopes for the book? What, what, what do you hope this book will do? Look, I hope, um, well, firstly, I hope that on a selfish note that if I'm being interviewed, I can talk about my birth father, family name, and I, he, he's 100 now, so he wouldn't be alive, I guess. But I want, I want to know what kind of a man he was through his life journey. Um, was he a decent person or did he, you know, drink and gamble or what sort of person? <laughs> uh, on a selfish note. But yep. the other 
thing is, um, the chapter of my Gordon Bennett flight over the Alps, um, I, I was I did that three years ago, seventy five, and I, I want I'm, I hope that encourages people to not be swayed by age yeah. in life. Just to follow your heart and your passion. Forget about age. Um, that's just a, a number that people throw all over you. So ignore your age and just do what you want to do and can do. Um, and also the other thing is it's a legacy for my two grandchildren, Tyler yep. and Jonathan. So they, you know, they live their life. They know little bits about what their grandmother, what I've done. But I hope when they read the book they'll, you know, have a, this wider and uh, wiser knowledge of who who I am and who I was. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for joining us on Between the Covers. It's been fantastic. And I really hope we do get to chat again soon when the book's out and seeing how it's travelling and catching up on your adventures very, very soon. Oh, thank you, Will. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Covers, produced by Shoreline Publishing. 